know, one more thing I better cover before I forget, you know, this preacher sometimes get, uh, has that disease that makes you forget things, but uh, can't remember the name of it. But um, the thing is, there's one more little program that's associated with Christmas everybody loves. Unfortunately, they don't realize how wicked it is. Pinocchio's first Christmas. Now, anybody that's anybody that's anybody that knows anything about their Bible and knows anything about anything knows that that's got enough witchcraft in it to kill a man. Uh, let's see. First off, uh, old Pinocchio, he's a little wooden boy. That How did he come to life according to the story? Well, he was in the enchanted forest. Anybody got a problem with that? And then, if that's not bad enough, not just the enchanted forest, but um, let's see, uh, uh, the, the, this, when they chopped it, the tree down that he was in, uh, excuse me, that's genies, technically, the genies of uh, Islam, if you do check out that stuff. But then uh, um, the, 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 the guy who was a carpenter, he was going to start fiddling with this log that had Pinocchio in it, and he got scared because it was enchanted. And so he ends up giving it to um, Geppetto, the woodcarver. He turns it into what? A, a marionette, thinking, well, he can make some money on it. And then found out that the, then when he, uh, Pinocchio was finally carved out, he ends up keeping him as his own son. And what? Pinocchio learns how to lie, cheat, steal, uh, tell fibs. Hmm. Does anybody have a problem with this biblically? Um <laughs> Big time sinful. And if that's not bad enough, what? Then he goes, the worst of all, Pinocchio goes trying to earn some money because first, of course, uh, the fox and the cat told him how to lie. And it, uh, excuse me, that um, the Honest Truth song, boy, is that a wicked thing, uh, trying to make a mockery of God. May God strike me down. No, get over it. But then if that's not bad enough, what do we get in the end? Then all of a sudden, what? He goes, since he lost his pennies, he goes to try to work for the uh, puppeteer. He steals a marionette doll, Juliet, that he likes, or Julietta, or whatever her name was. But uh, he, he, he steals her because he doesn't want her turned into a shepherd or whatever, a wise man or whatever. She don't, he don't want to lose his girlfriend. So he steals her, and what he, he ends up running into the woman who gave him life and put the seed of life in that tree that gave Pinocchio life. Who is it? But the, uh, what was her dumb crud? Uh, she was uh, supposed to be, uh, yeah, the blue-haired, fairy lady that um uh, 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 she's like a princess and uh, madam azora madam azora oh get over it madam azora get alive what uh, uh and, and um what does she do because pinocchio decided to straighten up his act and get right with god so to speak she brings Julietta to life. <laughs> Give me a break. <laughs> and uh, what to get him home because he made that mistake trying to go on that sleigh ride? What gets Satan Claus to get him home? Get over it. 
Oh, get a life. All of this nonsense for what? We're supposed to be celebrating Jesus' birth, and what do we do? We got all this nonsense. Get saved. All right, but I think my Bible says something about this problem. It sure does. We're going to take a real quick stop here in Deuteronomy. Very familiar passage as we will be seeing as we study out the different holidays. A very familiar passage. Deuteronomy 18, 10 through 14. Anybody in their right mind not understanding this has got to get their head screwed on straight. Amen. Because definitely Madame Azora and all the rest of that stuff and Satan Claus, they all are found right in this text and you'll find out what God says about them. Amen. Deuteronomy 18, 10 to 14. There shall not be found among you anyone that maketh his son or his daughter to pass through the fire or that uses divination, or an observer of times, or an enchanter, or a witch, or a charmer, or a consulter with familiar spirits, or a wizard, or a necromancer. For all that do these things are an abomination unto the Lord. And because of these abominations, the Lord thy God doth drive them out from before thee. Thou shalt be perfect with the Lord thy God. For these nations which thou shalt possess hearkened unto observers of times and unto diviners. But as for thee, the Lord thy God hath not suffered thee so to do. Uh, now, did you notice that last line? What did God say? He suffered you to do what? Read that again, Ruth. The Lord thy God hath not suffered thee so to do. Isn't that spelled with a big N-O-T? Yes, darling. Hello. People, why do we got old Rudolph the Red-Nosed Devil, Frosty the Snow Devil, Satan Claus, Pinocchio, and a couple of other, other dumb movies like uh, Home Alone? Come off it. You go leave it. First off, you leaving your kids at home alone by themselves, you're asking for your kid to get killed. Uh and then those kids that see those movies like that, what, they get the idea that they could take on a bunch of criminals. Yeah, and they're going to get killed, too. Hello? Uh, excuse me, but I think you ought to just take your kid and, first off, I, I'd take that nonsense and watch it. Amen. <sighs> but it is so dumb. Oh, uh, we don't want to forget to, free Frosty, free Frosty. Get over it! And, oh, oh, yeah, don't forget. Don't forget. I got to have my Red Rider BB gun. With 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 the compass and the stock and all that nonsense. Uh, excuse me. Why don't you just take and tell the kid to shoot his eye out? Yeah, he'll definitely shoot his eye out, and he almost did in that movie, too, if you remember. Um and, and 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 it also teaches him how to cuss and swear. Hello, I think there's something wrong with that. And oh, don't forget electric sex in the window. <laughs> Get over it. What does any of that got to do with Jesus? 
I mean, come on here. And, and, and what, uh, The Leprechaun Christmas? These are some of the dumb movies they got out there. And uh, what was that one? Um, the I think they called that The Night Before Christmas or something. It was about those little mice that got up in the clock and messed up the clock, and then they finally fixed it. Come off it. And Rudolph's uh, was something about that uh, Christmas where Rudolph was off missing, and they and, and he was trying to and and I, I mean just some of these are so nonsense. It's idiot. The movies that we'll watch at Christmas, but how many do you? How many out there strictly want to watch the Nativity, the Nativity story? Or Jesus in Nazareth, or or, or 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 something decent. No, what are we gonna watch? We're gonna watch free fasty, free fasty, or the how the Grinch stole his uh, sin, or or let's let's find out about how to have a bunch of ghosts come to your house and visit, so that you could turn generous. Well, you want to get generous, get born again, amen. Amen. Well, before I get preaching too long on this and take up 10 hours, already the study's long enough, but we're going to keep on going. And hey, yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, it goes like this. If you watch your watch, honey, you came to the wrong place. And anyway, uh, what you doing watching your watch anyway? If you got a, if you got your turkey in the oven, it's going to be toast. Amen. Well, now we've heard already about... The beginning of the Christmas story. We got into the genealogy and how there was a woman who played a harlot. Then we heard a little bit about Elizabeth, Zacharias's wife. They were very old in their 80s or so. And they were going to have a child. He denied, he, 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 he didn't believe the angel Gabriel in the, in the temple so he's made dumb here so we left off with her being pregnant but now let's continue the story because now comes in one of the most familiar people we're going to continue the story from Luke 1 we're going to start at 26 and we're going to work our way to the end of the chapter by seeing the most important outside of, outside of Jesus, we're going to see the two most important people that play a part here. Actually, the third one will be coming down the road here. But we're going to take a look at Christmas from Mary's standpoint, the woman's standpoint. See, all those other things ain't worth two cents. But the things that we should emphasize are in the Christmas story, and we need to understand them. So we need to get ourselves to the Word. Now, we find here in Luke chapter 1 that Elizabeth is now pregnant. And now, meanwhile, back at the ranch, as they say, we're going to find out what happens and how she is tied in with the Christmas story. 
Why is she tied in? Well, we're going to find out. Now, are you ready, Ruthie? One and twenty-six. <coughs> huh? Luke chapter one. We're going to start you at twenty-six, and we're working our way to the end of the chapter. Now, just read them, and I'll tell you when to stop. And in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God unto a city of Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin, a spouse to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David, and the virgin's name was Mary. Okay. Now, we start out in this story that all of a sudden now the angel Gabriel, he had already told Zacharias and Elizabeth about their about this birth. But now we find he says, okay, now he's being dispatched, if you will, to Mary. She's espoused to Joseph. And she is going to hear something from this angel. Now, she's espoused. In our day of English here today, that would be an engagement. We need to understand it's an engagement. But, do you know something? The engagement they had is nothing like we have today. The engagement they had back then, if you got engaged, it was a done deal. It was just as good as if you had been married and... There wasn't no, well, oh, I don't like him or she don't like, he don't like her, so okay, we're just going to split up and bye, see you later. Oh, no. You went through all the paperwork in hell as if you had already signed your marriage certificate. The only difference was you hadn't said your vows yet. This was the testing or trying time of the commitment. It was as serious as if you had been married the only difference was you hadn't spoken the vows and sealed the contract. This is the testing time. This is the testing ground, the proving time. So they were engaged, but it's not like our engagement time this day and age. Nothing like that. All right, Ruthie? So, so Mary's espoused her. She's engaged to Joseph, but it's just like as if she had been married. All right? And the angel came in unto her and said, Hail, thou that art highly favored, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women. <clears throat> when she saw him, she was troubled at his saying, and cast in her mind what manner of salutation this should be. Now, all of a sudden, she sees this angel. Now, you notice the key words. It shows on a lot of our videotapes... A lot of the movies like Jesus of Nazareth, where the angel is outside or the angel is to where she can look at the angel and appear and... Uh, no. You notice the key words? In the Bible, when it says the angel came in unto her, when a man came in unto a woman, that was a sexual term. 
But this is not a sexual term as in that the Holy Spirit or the angel Gabriel had sex with Mary. No, I don't want to give that impression. It just means that the angel Gabriel, by the aid of the Holy Spirit, actually entered Mary's body. He entered in her heart, just like Jesus enters your heart when you get saved. The same way he came into her. Can I prove that? Revelation 3 and 20 says, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man shall hear my voice and open the door, I will come into him. So it's the same thing. So this angel, the angel Gabriel, came in unto Mary, inside her heart. Not a sexual thing. This is a spiritual thing. He came into her heart and began to show her and said, You are highly favored. Now, mind you, she had never been with a man. And right now, to be messing around with another man or anybody while she's espoused, it's like as if she's really married. Like I said, she hadn't finished the contract, but it's as serious as being married. She could be killed for such a thing, okay? So she knows, "Uh uh-uh, there ain't no messing around with no other men now. There ain't no looking around for greener pastures. Oh, no. You, I got to commit myself to Joseph is what she's thinking in her heart. But all of a sudden, here comes the gauge angel Gabriel into her heart saying, you're highly favored. Now, I want to get you ready because some common verses that the Catholics use to prove that Mary is some sort of God is coming up. But we're going to take care of that as we go here. All right, Ruthie. And the angel said unto her, Fear not, Mary, for thou hast found favor with God. Hello. Mary was not God, nor was she divine. Here, she herself feared. She had fears, like anybody, like any human person. She was just as much human as you and me. The angel had to tell her, huh, don't be afraid. I've come to give you good news. No sense you shivering in your shoes. I've come to give you some good news. So Mary was not God. Amen. I think if I didn't know anything different, honey, if an angel appeared to me, I think I'd be a little nervous too. And behold, thou shalt conceive in thy womb, and bring forth a son, and shalt call his name Jesus. Isn't that beautiful down? Now, this angel that came to her, into her heart, said, Mary, find you, she's a virgin. Espoused virgin. She had never been with a man sexually. She is clean. She is pure. And all of a sudden, 
This angel says, Mary, you're going to have a baby. You're going to have a baby. You know what it took for Mary to accept that? For her in that day and age, as she knew, that wasn't something you could hide. You couldn't hide it in the corner from Mama and Papa. You can't do that even today. So as you get pregnant and you get further along in your pregnancy, all of a sudden it starts showing. And she knew, oh boy, I'm in some deep crap here. Because as time goes on, and I start to show, they're going to be stoning me. They're going to give me a rock concert in my honor. They're going to rock me to sleep. So this was something tough for her to understand or to accept. But what did Mary do? Cry and boo-hoo? Let's see. He shall be great and shall be called the Son of the Highest. The Lord God shall give unto him the throne of his father David. He shall reign over the house of Jacob forever. In his kingdom there shall be no end. Now, the angel said, not only is this child going to be your son... But this is the promised Messiah. Whew. Can you imagine getting a promise like that? Hey, Mary. Uh, I know you're a virgin, uh, but uh, God is going to let you have a child. You're going to become pregnant. And, oh, by the way, that child is going to be the promised Messiah. Okay. I know that she wasn't too thrilled to hear that because, hey, that's something tough. She's having to accept not only the fact that he, she's going to be pregnant, maybe killed for it, but all of a sudden now she's going to be carrying the Son of God, God the Son, in her belly. That's something tough. And, she, and the angel says, he's going to rule over the house of Jacob. That is Israel. He's going to be the Israelites' Messiah. He's going to come out of the lineage of David. He is the promised Messiah. And you're the one to carry him. Woo, tough news here. Go on. Then said Mary unto the angel, How shall this be, seeing I know not a man? Don't you hear the doubt there? Don't you hear the fear in that statement? Hello, Catholics. She was not holy and righteous and some sort of God person. She had the same fears all of us do. And she said, now wait a minute, how is this possible? I've never been with a man. I'm espoused. They, people find out I'm going to be killed. So she had some real fears. Real fears. But what did the angel say? And the angel answered and said unto her, The Holy Ghost shall come upon thee, and the power of the highest shall overshadow thee. Therefore also that holy thing which shall be born of thee shall be called the Son of God. Now, how, did, how was it conceived? The conception was not because an angel had sex with Mary. Wasn't God the Father having sex with Mary? Wasn't the Holy Spirit having sex with Mary? He overshadowed Mary. 
He overshadowed. He came to her, overshadowed her, and through that overshadowing and a supernatural conception is how it happened. But it was not some physical contact as some churches teach. No. How could Jesus be fully God and fully man? It's answered right here. Because anybody who knows anything about birthing a baby, go ask any GYN doctor. The baby has the flesh from the mother, but the blood from the father. So Jesus got 100% of his physical being, his physical manly body, human body, man body from Mary. He got his flesh from his mama, like all women do. But remember, this birth was supernatural. He didn't have Joseph as a father. He had God as the father. So guess whose blood was in Jesus' veins? God's blood. It says in the book of Hebrews that Jesus, that we are, it says of us as humans, we are partakers of flesh and blood, but Jesus took only a part of the same. What part did we take? We took flesh and blood. What did he take? He took only the flesh. The blood he got from his father. And it's the same as you did when you were born. Your flesh came from your mama. Your blood came from your daddy. No, your, your blood, the baby's blood and the mama's blood never mix. So that's how Jesus could be totally God, because he had all of God's blood, 100%. Every drop of Jesus' blood was God's blood. But every cell of his flesh was human. So Jesus was 100% God, 100% man. And so, the angel said, look, God's going to overshadow you. That's how Jesus is going to be born. This is how it's going to happen. You don't have to have sex with nobody because God's going to take care of it. It's going to be a supernatural miracle birth that a virgin will give birth to a child. Thus fulfilling a prophecy of the Old Testament, behold, a virgin shall be with child, and shall call his name Emmanuel, which being interpreted as God with us. God, God, God with us. Amen. All right, really? And behold, thy cousin Elizabeth, she hath also conceived a son in her old age. And this is the sixth month with her, who was called barren. Now, let me help you with something. Six months already elapsed from chapter 1 that we're reading here to this present time now at this verse that we're reading. Elizabeth is now six months pregnant. Mary conceives her child at the six months point. That means John the Baptist and Jesus were six months apart. So if John the Baptist had lived for the full life of Christ, John the Baptist would have been 
34 years old at Christ's death. 34 years old. But we're going to show you something about the birth of Jesus pretty soon here. That's absolutely important. Which I'm going to cover a little bit here. But more in detail as we get further into the story. Jesus lived to be 33 and one half years old. Well, let's just use that as an example. December 25th. As everybody believed that it's his birthday. Subtract 33 years from December 25th, you still end up with December 25th. It's the same as your birthday, boys and girls. If you're five years old, you subtract five, that means your birthday landed on that same date five years ago. Well, same thing with Jesus. But it says 33 and a half years is how long he lived when he was crucified. Well, how can we tell when Jesus was born? Well, if he was born 33 and a half years before his death, if he was born on December 25th, that means you'd have to go six months later after December 25th to find his death. Which means his death would have had to have occurred... Around about June 25th. That's when it would have had to have occurred, his death. Unfortunately, if his death did not occur around June 25th, then when was he killed? When did he die? Do we really know when he was born or when he died? Well, yes, we do know when he died. We know how long he lived. We know when he died. We know he lived 33 and a half years. We also know when he died. He died, remember, they were having the Passover meal, which became the Lord's Supper. That night, they took him out of the Garden of Gethsemane. The soldiers did. All night long, he was mocked and scourged. The next day, he was led up to Calvary, Golgotha. He was nailed to a cross, and that's when he died. The day after Passover. Well, how do we know when Passover is? Why, certainly. That's the same week that we celebrate, better known as Easter. Easter Sunday is Resurrection Sunday, which is the very day that he rose again. So, then, if we know that, if we know the date that he died, it's very easy to subtract back 33 years, gives you a Passover 33 years before that. But then if you subtract a half a year, well, since we know Passover or uh, Easter occurs right around April to May, that means six months before that occurs around September to October, not December. So truthfully, December 25th is not Jesus' birthday. 
It's in September and October. Well, Preacher, are you suggesting that we cancel Christmas and quit uh, celebrating it on December and start trying No, because no one knows the exact date of his birth. And since we don't know the exact date of his birth, there's nothing wrong in using an assumed date and celebrating Christmas in honor of Christ. But if you're going to do it in honor of Christ, do it only in honor of Christ, not with Satan Claus or Frosty the Fatso Devil or Rudolph the Red-Nosed Devil or Scrooge or uh, Grinch. Come on. You only need to do it with one thing. You ought to just have just Jesus. All right, Ruthie? Yep. Need you back over here. And we're going to read a little more here, but see, the point is, we now know that Christ had to be born at a different time. But it says here that now Elizabeth is already six months pregnant, and here is Mary. And she's just now going to get pregnant. Okay, really? For with God nothing shall be impossible. And Mary said, Behold the handmaid of the Lord, be it unto me according to thy word. And the angel departed from her. Now, here is where the Catholics take on it all of a sudden that Mary is some sort of God figure. At least this is the beginning of it. They take on the fact that she is some sort of God figure because she accepted the news from this angel rather than d denying it. No. She just figured, okay, no way I can stop this. least I could do is accept it. And so she said, okay, let it happen according to the way you say it's going to happen. I'm willing to be used. I'm willing to be a handmaid of the Lord. And look, if I'm going to be stoned, I'm going to be stoned, but I'll do what I have to do. So she she accepts the duty, but she's still just as much human as anybody else. All right, go on, Ruthie. And Mary arose in those days and went into the hill country with haste into a city of Judah and entered into the house of Zacharias and saluted Elizabeth. Now, do you notice something unique here? She didn't even take time to talk to Joseph yet. Did you know that? No, she did not talk to Joseph. She went up to the hill country where Elizabeth and Zacharias lived. She went up there, it says, in haste. She was in a hurry. She feared, look, okay, if this is God, and Elizabeth is six months pregnant, I'll have proof that this really was an angel from God. I'll know this is really the angel that came from God because when I get there, Elizabeth will be showing. She's six months. She'll already be showing that she is pregnant. It'll be painfully obvious. And so... 
she said, okay, I'm going to check this out. So she went in one hellacious hurry. She didn't even consider to talk to her betrothed. She ran off to her cousin's house. She wanted to check this out. Okay, Ruth? And it came to pass that when Elizabeth heard the salutation of Mary, the babe leaped in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Ghost. And she spake out with a loud voice and said, Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb. And whence is this to me, that the mother of my Lord should come to thee? To me, I'm sorry. There is where the Catholics get Mary is some sort of mother of God. Where do they get it? Right here from this verse that you just read. When should the mother of my Lord... When in actuality, she is the mother to the flesh part of Jesus. Not the spiritual part. The spiritual part had been there in eternity long before the mud seals of this world were ever laid. She was just used as a vessel. Mary was not a God. Mary was just being used of God. But this is part of where they get this garbage that Mary is some sort of God figure. Okay? For lo, as soon as the voice of thy salutation sounded in mine ears, the babe leaped in my womb for joy, and blessed is she that believed, for there shall be a performance of those things which were told her from the Lord. And Mary said, My soul doth magnify the Lord, and my spirit hath rejoiced in God my Savior. For he hath regarded the low estate of his handmaiden. For behold, from henceforth all generations shall call me blessed. And there's where the Catholics, right there, the last few words that you just heard and read. That's where they get that Mary is some sort of God. They get it from here. That all generations should call me blessed. The Blessed Virgin Mary. You've heard them say it over and over, haven't you, Ruth? The Blessed Virgin Mary. Well, all generations should call me blessed. No, we're going to call her blessed because she was able, she was there and was used of God to carry the Savior of the world, but that didn't make her God. You don't go, you may call someone blessed because they got $100,000, but that doesn't make them God. Just because God allowed them to get some money and give it to the poor and made them a blessing because they were blessed of God doesn't make them God because they were a blessing and blessed others. Hello. All right. Go on, Ruth. For he that is mighty hath done to me great things, and holy is his name. And his mercy is on them that fear him from generation to generation. He has shewed strength with his arm, and he hath scattered the proud in the imagination of their hearts. He hath put down the mighty from their seats and exalted them of low degree. He hath filled the hungry with good things, and the rich he hath sent empty away. He hath hopen his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy. As he spake to our fathers, to Abraham, and to his seed forever. And Mary abode with her about three months, and returned to her own house. Now Elizabeth's full time came, 
and she should be delivered, and she brought forth a son. Now, see, Mary stuck around for three months. Now, three plus six equal nine. So, Elizabeth was about to give birth. Mary hung around until the birth. Mary hung around the whole time. Well, then Mary came and left after the child was born. Elizabeth gave birth to a son. Now we go into a little bit of the Jewish law as to what happened with Elizabeth's child. Now remember, he had already been named before he was placed in the womb. And what happened here? Let's see. And her neighbors and her cousins heard how the Lord had showed great mercy upon her, and they rejoiced with her. It came to pass that on the eighth day they came to circumcise the child. They called him Zacharias after the name of his father. And his mother answered and said, Not so, but he shall be called John. And they said unto her, There is none of thy kindred that is called by this name. And they made signs to his father how he would have him called. And he asked for a writing table and, and wrote, saying, His name is John. And they marveled all. And his mouth was opened immediately, and his tongue loosed. And he spake and praised God. And fear came on all that dwelt round about them. And all those sayings were noised abroad throughout all the hill country of Judea. And all they that heard them laid them up in their hearts, saying, what manner of child shall this be? And the hand of the Lord was with him. And his father Zacharias was filled with the Holy Ghost and prophesied, saying, Blessed be the Lord God of Israel, for he hath visited and redeemed his people, hath raised up a horn of salvation for us in the house of his servant David, as he spake by the mouth of his holy prophets, which have been since the world began, that we should be saved from our enemies and from the hand of all that hate us, to perform the mercy promised to our fathers and to remember his holy covenant, the oath which he sware to our father Abraham, that he would grant unto us that we, being delivered out of the hand of our enemies, might serve him without fear, in holiness and righteousness before him all the days of our life. And thou, child, shall be called the prophet of the highest, for thou shalt go before the face of the Lord to prepare his ways, to give knowledge of salvation unto his people by the remission of their sins. Through the tender mercy of our God, whereby the day spring from on high hath visited us, to give light to them that sit in darkness and in the shadow of death, to guide our feet into the way of peace. And the child grew and waxed strong in spirit, and was in the deserts till the day of his chewing unto Israel. That's Matthew 1, 18 through 80. I've been reading this one in case they forgot the reference. You mean Luke, not Matthew, Ruth? Luke chapter 1. That took us all the way from 1 to 80. We started tonight, though, at uh, 26, but but we've already been through now the whole Luke chapter 1 as we went through this study. And doing so, as I said, though, we started out, though, with the other. We started out, so all together we've been through the whole complete chapter of Luke chapter 1. And we find here at the end that Zacharias 
when the child was born, see, eight days later, that's when the child was named. Unlike us, we name our children right from the go after they're born. But this child, they wait eight days, and then they had to circumcise the child. And when they circumcise the child, then they say, okay, this is the name of the child, and that's when the name is given to the child. Okay? So on the eighth day, they were going to name the child Zacharias after his father. The mama says, oh, no, 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 no. And if you notice, in the Bible day, it was always daddy who came up with the name. Always the father who said, this is what the child will be called. And then, but the mama says no, because she's able to talk. Zacharias ain't. He said, no, his name's going to be John. People said, oh, wait a minute. No one in the family's called that. And they, she says, I don't care. That's what his name's going to be. They, they, they do signs and have Zacharias. Well, what, what do you think? He asked for a writing tablet. He says, no. His name is going to be John. As soon as he said it, all of a sudden, his impediment, his speech impediment, he's able to talk. Being dumb made mute was let loose of him. His tongue was freed up so he could speak, and he started to praise God. You notice he praised God right from the beginning. Well, Zacharias, you mean that's what it took for you to get to realize you better praise God in the first place and trust him? <laughs> But sometimes that's like us. We're just too stubborn, don't want to listen to God. We want to take a good look at Joseph and see what happened from his perspective when he found out that here the woman he's betrothed to, practically the same as being married, all of a sudden she says, Hey, sweetie, I'm going to have a baby. We haven't been together. I'm a virgin, but hey, I'm going to have a baby. Scratch your head time. Let's see what has to be said here. Matthew chapter 1, verses 18 to 25. We're going to let Ruthie read this, and every so often I'm going to be stopping her along the way. I'll be stopping her. I'll be stopping you, Ruthie, along the way to get this story as we study this one out. All right, here we go. Matthew 1. 18 to 25. Now the birth of Jesus Christ was on this wise. When as his mother Mary was espoused to Joseph before they came together, she was found with child of the Holy Ghost. That's the whole entire verse 18. Now you notice something unique here? Something that most people, they overcome these words. They think that that this word says here before they came together they think that means before the marriage was completed before the vows were spoken that is not what this said read carefully it does not say here before their vows were spoken it doesn't say before the priest the temple priest pronounced them man and wife before the vow was consummated. No, it doesn't say that. It doesn't say before the marriage license was issued. It says before they came together. 
Do you notice that? It, right, Ruthie. It means before they had sex. So even in the time of betrothal, because a betrothal was as serious as marriage in the Jewish sight, the minute you said you're going to, you wanted to be married, at betrothal, it was a done deal. But in that first year, that's the time to find out how faithful she is to somebody else. In that first year, you still had a chance of divorcing her for adultery. You could adu uh, 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 divorce him. The woman could divorce the man for adultery. You divorce each other ten years down the road for adultery. But after that first year, there was no bill of divorcement and send her out of your house. Uh-uh. After the first year, after the betrothal time, after that betrothal time, if you were found in adultery, especially if the other person was found, you both were killed. The adulterer and adulteress that were caught in the act were killed after that first year of betrothal. But the first year, there was still that chance to say, okay, I don't like the way they are. They committed this sin out of my face, and that's it. I believe she committed, even if, if I just only believed, Ruth, that you had just committed adultery. I didn't even have to have proof. If I thought you committed adultery, I could say, I don't want to marry you no more. Write you up a bill of divorcement and send you out of my house. That was the end of it. You're still alive. But I didn't have to stick with you. But after one year, I didn't have that option. Oh, no. It's either prove you committed adultery and kill you or stay with you and accept it. It says right here that they didn't know each other, meaning they didn't have sex until she brought her firstborn son. But can I prove that further from Scripture? It says before... The, before they came together, she was found with the child of the Holy Ghost. She was already found to be pregnant. Before they even had a chance to come together. Here they had been betrothed. And all of a sudden, he finds out from her, Hey honey, I'm going to have a baby. And he's like, oh God. Now let's see what he has to say here. Verse 19, Ruth. And Joseph, her husband, being a just man and not willing to make her a public example, was minded to put her away privily. Now, you notice the first couple words. Now, Joseph, her husband, betrothal, was as serious, as I said, as if it were a done deal. It was only after that first year that that first, that's when they actually signed the documentation. But that's it. But that first year, he had the option of just 
backing out if he heard something. And it says that him being a just man, he was he, he was right with God. He thought, oh God, here she must have committed adultery. There's no way she's going to be pregnant. So he had in his mind noticed the words to write her a bill of divorcement. When can that occur? In the first year. Now we're going to stop real quick here, jump from here, and go over to Deuteronomy 24, 1 to 5. And I'm going to show something here. Now some people got this thing about marriage and remarriage if someone's committed adultery. Let's look at the Bible. Let's see what it has to say here. We're going to stop that thing real fast. Was there such a thing about writing a bill of divorcement, putting it in her hand, and, and the person being able to continue to live? Let's see what it has to say. Deuteronomy 24, verses 1 to 5. Let's see what it has to say. This is what Joseph, this is what that law that Joseph was all of a sudden thinking of in his head, thinking about putting her away privately with a bill of divorcement. Here's what he's talking about. This is what this means. Let's look at it. Yes, straight through the whole 1 to 5, Deuteronomy 24, 1 to 5. When a man hath taken a wife and married her, and it come to pass that she find no favor in his eyes, because he hath found some uncleanness in her, then let him write her a bill of divorcement, and give it in her hand, and send her out of his house. And when she is departed out of his house, she may go and be another man's wife. And if the latter husband hate her, and write her a bill of divorcement, and giveth it in her hand, and sendeth her out of his house, or if the latter husband die, which took her to be his wife, her former husband, which sent her away, may not take her again to be his wife, after that she is defiled, for that is abomination before the Lord, and thou shalt not cause the land to sin which the Lord thy God giveth thee for an inheritance. When a man hath taken a new wife, he shall not go out to war, neither shall he be charged with any business, but he shall be free at home one year, and shall cheer up his wife, which he hath taken. See, now, we're not going to go into another set of scripture, but the, the whole thing on this divorce thing, the only reason anybody should divorce is fornication and adultery. According to Matthew 19, 1 and 9, Jesus said the reason it because the Pharisees got themselves a little smart idea that they're going to try to trick Jesus over the question of adult, uh, 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 of marriage and divorce. And they said, well, wait a minute. Why didn't Moses tell us that uh, we should write a bill of divorcement? That's according to this scripture right here. And Jesus said, because of the hardness of your hearts. Because you're so hard-headed, so stubborn. And yet, it's because you're so stubborn, not because you don't want to listen. He said originally that wasn't the plan. The plan was you get married and stay married. But some of you are so hard-headed that God said, okay, you want to be hard-headed? Fine. Then you have to write a bill of divorcement. And you'll have to get divorced that way. But technically, from the beginning of the world, it was never so. 
you're supposed to be male and female and be together and joined as one, and that's it. But you're so hard-headed. This is the reason. And really, the only reason you should divorce is over fornication. But here you find that the man just found some uncleanness. See, Joseph was going to use this law in order to put her away privately so that nobody would know about the so-called adultery that he thought happened. Because if he says, well, I'm going to put her away and here she's got a child, they'd stone her, kill her, and the child. But if I just put her away privately saying, well, I just found some uncleanness in her, he could have made up anything. He could have said, well, he didn't like her hair because she had gray hair. Had one or two gray hairs and he didn't like it. Or whatever. And he could have sent her out of his house for that reason. Or he could have said, well, I, I question her uh, uh, bloodline and, and I'm not sure she's really Jewish. Or whatever. He could have used anything. So he's, it's saying here that just because he could have found some in, uncleanness in her for some reason, he could have put her out of his house during that time of betrothal. In that first year. After that, though, uh-uh, no dice. After the paperwork is signed, the only reason you better divorce is because of adultery. Now, so we find back here in Matthew chapter 1, Joseph's considering this law. It's in his head that, hey, I've got a way out. And isn't that like most of us? Always looking for the way out. Give me the simple way got people that want to commit suicide. Why? They're looking for the easy way out. Let me have the uh, shortcut. The cinchy way out of this. Where's the shortcut? Where's the uh, way out of this? Let, let me get my bail bondsman to get my booty out of jail. How could I get the slap on the wrist? So I don't have to be punished. Hello. Tell me it ain't truth. You go into most courts. That's what lawyers are doing. They take and they find a way to uh, make a plea bargain. Plea bargain. <laughs> Buddy, if you were as rebellious as you are now, let me tell you what, homeboys. If you were doing that during the Bible day, you know what? That would have rocked you to sleep. Amen. You'd have stole something. You would have found out there was no uh, uh, plea bargain. And oh no, you gonna pay double. That's what Leviticus says. You gonna be paying double plus. You gonna have to make things right and everything else. Not to mention giving a sacrifice at the temple. So you gonna be paying big time. You ain't getting no easy way out. But that's Joseph here. You're looking for the easy way out. The 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 shortcut. The the cinchy way out here. Let's get the easy way out. Alright, now we're going to go on here and take a look at verse 20. Verse 20, back in Matthew chapter 1, verse 20. We're going to continue with the story here. But while he thought on these things, behold, the angel of the Lord appeared unto him in a dream, saying, Joseph, thou son of David, fear not to take unto thee Mary thy wife, 
for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Ghost. Now picture this. Here Joseph is thinking in his head. Now who else is going to be able to talk to a mother than God? He's got in his mind, I'm going to get rid of Mary. Ain't no way I'm going to be with her because, hey, she's got a child. This child ain't mine's. People are going to look at me and her like we're something from the Black Lagoon. They're going to think we're nutty as a fruitcake. Uh-uh, I ain't dealing with that. I ain't going to have ridicule on me. I'm going to put her away privately according to this Old Testament law. He thought he figured it out. But God said, oh, no, 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 no. So God sent this same angel, Gabriel, to him to let him know, wait a minute, Joseph, hold the banana boat here, hold the bus. That's not the way to go. This is done of God. You need to be following God's plan. Are you, if you think you're a just man, then you need to follow me. Follow my direction. And it's always wise to do it God's way rather than our way. So, God warns Joseph in a dream. In a dream that this is the real deal. This is something that he has planned. And what does Joseph do? Well, let's see what he has to do. She shall bring forth a son, and shall, thou shalt call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. Now all this was done, that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken of the Lord by the prophet, saying, Behold, a virgin shall be with child, and shall bring forth a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which is being interpreted as God with us. Hello, JWs. <laughs> Read it and weep. He is... God with us. Jesus is God. He's God in the flesh and he's with us. So, Joseph did. Joseph listened. So, he, the, the Holy Spirit talking to him and saying, you better pay attention. And this is God with us. Now let's see what he has to say here. Really? Verse 24. Then Joseph, being raised from sleep, did as the angel of the Lord had bidden him, and took unto him his wife, and knew her not till she had brought forth her firstborn son, and he called his name Jesus. Now, he first was told even what the name of the child should be, just as Mary was told. He did as he was told. But what does it says? He took unto him Mary his girlfriend. Mary his friend. She was already his wife from the very minute they were betrothed. They were husband and wife according to this scripture. The, 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 the total contract, if you will, had not been completed until the contract was completed. But they were just as much husband and wife as a man in America that has a marriage license to a woman and has a ring on his finger. 
The only difference is, it's like they had the rings. They had everything. The only thing they didn't have is the paper. What some of us dub in America the common law marriage. The shack up. We've taken, some people have actually used that, used this portion of scripture to say, well, they did it in the Bible. Well, no. Their betrothal, which is the equivalent of a, 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 a of being together, they were just as much married as if they had the paper. The only difference is they waited and they loved each other. And this was a proving time between them. So that they had that opportunity to prove whether they would stay married. This was a proving time. What we better know in America as the engagement, but it was much, much more serious, much, much more deep, and much more committed. It was like being really the real deal married. The only difference they did not have is the paper. It's the only difference. But everything else was the equivalent of being married. And it says he took Mary, and he distilled, even when he decided to do what the angel told him, he still didn't touch Mary because he knew that she was supposed to have a child as a virgin. So in order to fulfill that, he chose to leave her a virgin, even though he was still her husband and could have been with her, but he chose not to. He chose not to because he wanted to fulfill. It was put in his heart to fulfill that portion of Scripture. And so he did. All right. Really? Is there more? That was it. Ain't that something? But see, we find here that Joseph and Mary, we don't find, we, we, we do find something strange here, though. Think about it from Joseph's perspective. Just for a minute. He could have chose and said, Well, Mary, I'm not going to deal nothing with you. Yeah, right, sure. But no, he listened to God. And he did go through with it. We're going to be looking in two chapters of the Bible. Matthew chapter 2 and Luke chapter 2. Matthew chapter 2 and Luke chapter 2. The whole chapter of both because we're going to bring Jesus up from a little baby all the way to where he starts to be a young man because we're too busy worried about him in the manger rather than seeing him as the man, the God-man, who he became, who died for our sins. So, but first, let's take a, a, a look from two angles. The first angle is going to be from the Roman government side. Remember, Matthew was a tax collector. So he's going to write things from his angle as a tax collector. As somebody working for the government, he's going to bring aspects to the word, to his story, that tell us about Jesus, but from the governmental side, the, the Herod side, the uh, being a something like a politician, if you will, 
it'd be like the president giving you his story and he does it from the president's point of view and you're going to hear a lot about politics if you will well that's what we're going to hear about in the first reading then we're going to hear it from luke now luke we have to understand is a physician so he gives us details that are more down to earth more our style luke would be the equivalent of a family doctor but not like the ones we're knowing today where you go to them no luke went to your house luke followed you to your house he walked into your house he made house calls so so we need to take a look at these two men who give us two things to help us understand the scripture but first we're going to start with matthew chapter 2 and every little bit ruth i'll be stopping you along the way but uh you take and read until we stop you all right go ahead luke chapter 2 we're going to end up reading the whole chapter of 2 in both spots matthew 2 and then we'll read all of luke 2 but right now matthew chapter 2 we're going to be starting just about the time of the birth of jesus and this takes us all the way up, if you will, to Jesus being already two years old by the end of this chapter. And I'll explain that to you. So let's take a look at it here. Alright? Matthew chapter 2. Now when Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, in the days of Herod the king, behold, there came wise men from the east to Jerusalem. We first find out right from the go. It says when Jesus was born. Matthew chapter 2 starts out. Jesus is just fresh born. Now take a notice of something. It says there came from the east. Wise men from the east. They haven't even arrived yet. Uh, we got a problem. Houston, we got a problem. Matthew chapter 2 says three kings came from the east, right, Ruthie? What Does it say three kings there? No, it says wise men from the east. Said what? Wise men from the east. Wise men. Why is it that, why is it that they portray three kings... Melchior, Baltazar, and what was the other one? Three kings. They say three kings came from the east. And, and, they, and they show three kings in every manger scene that you've ever seen. They show these three kings. But here it says three wise men. These were not kings. You watch the Jesus of Nazareth film. What do you see? Three kings. Melchior, Baltazar. There's Melchior, Baltazar, and... Well, it don't matter, okay? Because those weren't the three kings that came to see Jesus. It doesn't say that in the Scripture. It says three wise men came from the east. 
And they were coming yet. They were on their way. The minute they saw the star, when Jesus was being born, the star shone in the east. And this star did not shine for one single night. Did you know that? Did you know that? Well, let's continue to read and we'll find out how long this star shone. Remember, these three wise men began to follow a star at his birth. The minute he was born, but how long did the star remain in the sky? Let's take a good look and we'll find out more about these three wise men. 